With supply chains becoming more complex, you need to stay on top of the latest logistics developments. So if you work with logistics, you need the Beyond the Box podcast from Maersk. It's the easy way to keep up to date with everything from digital disruption and logistics to the need for supply chain resilience in today's market. Find out more and keep ahead of the game with the Beyond the Box podcast on logistics insights at maersk.com slash insights. Hey everybody, welcome back to the podcast, Confessions of a Creative Director, the only podcast on the internet created by a creative director, for creative directors, for people who want to be creative directors, for people who hate creative directors because we're really annoying, uh, <laughs> just kidding, we're not, well, kind of, sometimes, uh, but really this this podcast is for anybody who is a, a creative person professionally or uh, wants to do it professionally uh, it's really for anybody that wants to learn about how creative people think and uh, we do think a lot we're we're in our heads a lot and uh, constantly thinking about stuff um, and speaking of people that are super creative <laughs> on the podcast today is uh, my new friend a guy named Brandon Ferris um, who works for an agency called Leap sort of a grouping of agencies that do all kinds of really cool and interesting work, everything from uh, social and digital to uh, content, which uh, he's really involved with. He's a filmmaker at heart. Um, So uh, he's on the show today. Really cool guy. Reached out to me a few months ago because he does a podcast called A Quick Read, where he brings on marketing professionals to discuss and dissect a, a book of their choosing So he had me on his podcast. It was a ton of fun to be on the other side of the microphone. We discussed uh, one of my favorite books called uh, The War of Art, which is all around, um, you know, sort of getting over your fears uh, around um, being creative and whatnot. So we had a really good discussion. That is out now. Uh, So if you want to check that out, look up a quick read uh, wherever you get your podcast. But anyways, we struck up this friendship. We have so much uh, in common. Um, you know, he's obviously an ECD, but he's also a big music guy. He plays music. He produces music. He's also a filmmaker. Uh, you know, obviously I've done a lot of video content work. I have a degree in radio, television, and film. So we have that in common. We got on, uh, for the first time and realized that we both, I mean, we, we, we look like brothers from another mother, just slightly, slightly different. He's obviously more handsome than I am, but, uh, black t-shirt, you know, big, uh, frame glasses, the whole nine yards, the whole, the whole creative director look, and just a super cool guy. He's the kind of guy that, uh, if you're an up and coming creative, you'd want to work for super inspiring, uh, gives you a lot of room to work and be creative, has a lot of great insights, great dad, just a cool all around guy. And I really enjoyed my conversation with him. So, uh, without further ado, let's get into it with Brandon Ferris. Brandon Ferris, you magnificent son of a bitch. How are <laughs> you, buddy? I'm good, man. How are you, brother? I am doing all right. It is uh, it is Friday. 
yeah. May 7th when we're recording this for posterity for for all the future generations that will be listening to this <laughs> podcast. Twenty the year right. is 2021. That's right. Um hey, it's good to have you on the show. Cheers, man. Yeah. Cheers, man. Salute. What Salute. do you what do you uh, as you so, know, what do you what are you drinking there? Well, I, I know you're a tequila guy, right? Yeah. So you're Absolutely. going with the you're going with the Blanco straight tequila. I've got I, I'm from Kentucky, and uh, tequila is okay here. But when you're born in Kentucky, they they give you a bottle and they put bourbon in it, and that's <laughs> what they do. So I don't have much of a choice. So I'm sipping on uh, bourbon straight on the rocks. I don't need anything fancy. Let's just keep it simple. Nice. I like it. And and just in case you're wondering, this isn't straight tequila. Otherwise, I'd be I'd, I'd probably have a problem. <laughs> it's a little silver tequila with uh, Topo Chico mineral water, a little Ooh, squeeze okay. of lime, a little hit of salt. Man, and, that's a true uh, creative director beverage. The Topo yeah. Chico, you're you're tapping into your hipster like uh, I am. soul. And, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I am. Before we get started, uh, I wanted to talk about the the, the post that you put up the other day uh, of you getting some. Um, some coverage on the on your local news there. Yeah, uh, you're you're an FC Cincinnati fan. Yeah, so we're new to the game here uh, in Cincinnati to uh, MLS. Um, didn't grow up playing soccer, but my son did, and and that's kind of how I learned the game. And I also learned the game through playing FIFA, and yeah. just sort of fell in love with it. And we would go to to FC Cincinnati games. They at the time they were in the USL, just the kind of the minor leagues. But we dominated and we won like all the games and and people were showing up. We we had more people coming to our USL games than people were coming to MS MLS games. Yeah. That's how much of an exciting movement has happened in our city. And so yeah, we just opened up a new stadium. It's world class. The whole thing is built. The whole outside of the stadium is a giant video screen based on these LED blades they put in. Yeah. It's phenomenal. So at nighttime, they the whole stadium is basically a screen. It's wild. That's cool. And uh, it's just one of the nicest stadiums I've ever seen. And yeah, we were going to do a meet your seat night where me and the family were going to go see where our where our tickets were in what we call the Bailey, which is the crazy fan section. And as we're walking in, uh, this lady walks up to us and she goes, hey, I've got a feeling I've got a feeling that that you guys are going to be into this. But I'm, you know, with so and so news, you know, can I put a mic on you and just sort of follow you guys around as you experience this? And I said, absolutely. You know, as a <laughs> as a filmmaker and a creative myself, I knew what she wanted. I knew how to give her the the sound bite. She oh was man, for. I I mean, they hit the home run. I'm sure that when she got <laughs> back, she was like, oh my god, I found the perfect family. So that was really fun to watch because I am an MLS fan, specifically an LA Galaxy oh, uh, yeah. fan. And I'm actually we're actually going to the game tomorrow, which is uh, nice. which is really cool against. Uh, our local rivals here, LAFC, that would be a good one. Our mortal enemies. So I'm not sure. I, I mean, I'm a you know, I'm a um, I'm a fan, but I'm not super entrenched yeah. in the whole MLS world. So I don't know if our two teams would ever play, but that could um, be that could be a lot of fun. I'm not. I sure know. I haven't do, checked. Right? I, I off the top of my head this season, I'm. I think we do. Um, I'd have to. I'd have to dig it up. But uh, uh, another friend of mine who's a creative director, he's a big uh, Red Bulls fan. Juan Carlos, uh, if yeah. you're listening. Uh, Juan Carlos, I love you, buddy. Uh, and we we have some nice uh, back and forth. We kind of you know you know, give each other shit back and forth on uh, on uh, 
text when the, when the matches are going on. So, well, hopefully that happens. And uh, you know, <laughs> if, if you come down here for a match or vice versa, that'd be a lot of fun. Yeah, let's, man. Let's uh, let's jump into it. So, okay. Um, uh, thanks for being on the show. Super excited that that you reached out to me a few months ago and we connected. And I did your podcast, which I'm going to feature. We're going to do a little a little kind of uh, blending of the two universes here yeah. coming up. But I had a lot of fun on your uh, podcast, which is called A Quick Read. Mm-hmm. Um, but tell tell the listeners, uh, you know, I obviously set you up a little bit in the introduction, but tell the listeners about uh, the agency that you work for, the kind of work that you're doing. Uh, you are a, you know, uh, sort of a born and bred filmmaker uh, content. Uh, tell us a little bit about the agency that you work for. Sure. Yeah. So I work for Leap Group uh, Network, which is a collection of um, specialty agencies that we have a media agency called Leap Amp. We have a branding agency called Leap Matter. We have our uh, sort of our agency of record digital agency, um, which is Leap Agency. And then we have a content uh, production uh, and and production agency called Leap Spark. Um, And that's where, you know, I sit most of my time there where we create content and I lead the film team and and sort of creative direct that side of things. But I also serve as the executive creative director for sort of the whole group, just making sure that somebody's championing things like, you know, how we do briefs and how we, you know, sort of operate as a team so that, you know, across the group, we are sort of working together. So we're, we're not a massive agency, like a, you know, like a big holding company, but we are structured in a way where um, each individual expression like the media division, they can they can work with other agencies as well. So we're all about collaboration and working with others. Or somebody could work with us as just a big sort of retainer agency like you would a, a big master service agreement type of thing. Um, so but we do all sorts of stuff. We're in food, we're in food and beverage. We do stuff with alcohol. I just had a shoot this last week uh, for a tequila company. We do uh, B2B, we do manufacturing. We're working with a big uh, company that's a global corporation that builds grid systems. Like when you go to, to make a new roadway, you have to lay down a grid system before you can pave it. Um, so we're working with, with, with that type of thing. So it really just depends. So we kind of have a broad range of, of brands, but, uh, specifically, you know, my history, um, done work with Carnival Cruise, Procter and Gamble, University of Cincinnati, a small local potato chip company called Grippos, which is the best barbecue chip on the planet. Look it up. Grippos. G-R-I-P-P-O-S. It's a Cincinnati staple. Uh, I'll send you some Grippos, man. These yeah, are wow. fire. Dude, fire. Send me. I, I, I'm already oh jealous. I'm already jealous of the tequila. So yeah. tequila and some and some barbecue chips. Yeah, I'll send you a care right. package because I, I got to get you some Cincinnati-style chili as well. Right. That's that's a whole nother, like topic. I mean, that's insanity. And what uh, about – and you also mentioned uh, on a previous call Deep Eddie, right? You've done some – Yeah, we've done stuff okay. with Deep Eddie Vodka. We've done stuff with uh, – just a whole slew of things. Hershey's. We did a big thing on Times Square with Hershey's. So we do film, animation, advertising, campaigns, websites, mobile, the whole thing. That's cool. And that's yeah, how man. and that's uh, again how we're similar in that sense. Although I think you guys even have a, a broader toolkit than 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 we do. And I think that's also why we're kind of like I'm looking at you right now. And it's like <laughs> I'm looking at a mirror image right now. We've oh, got no, our, man. We're, we're like, our, we're like <laughs> brothers from another mother here. For but, sure, dude. Well, I'll be curious to know here on this with this next question is how how do you define, you know, speaking of being a creative director across the board, how do you describe that role? Right. Because everybody Mm, kind of has a different uh, approach to it. So how do you describe the role of of being a a creative director? Yeah. So um, 
Wow, that's a big question. Um, I think I think at first I thought you had to be like the best at everything, you know, like like if you were going to be a creative director, you had to be the best designer, you had to be the best copywriter, you had to be the best art director, you had to be sort of the whole deal, you know, right, um, right, and you know, I went had an opportunity um, in 2019. Yeah. 2019. No, early 2021, before the pandemic, I had an opportunity to go to um, New Orleans to a, to a one show. One show does the big advertising awards. They put on uh, a series of different events and they have a thing called the uh, creative directors retreat. And so if you guys are out there listening, you're creative director and you're like, man, I, I'd like to be around other creative directors and learn stuff. Um, definitely check out one show's creative directors retreat. It's really, it's really awesome. It's very intimate. There's only like maybe 100, 200 people there. All of the speakers are hanging out with you for the weekend. So you're eating meals with them. So it's like you're learning from their, their sessions, but you're learning because you're sort of just hanging out. Um, and it's really cool. Like everyone sort of leaves their ego at the door and you, you learn a lot. And so I was in a session with um, Jason Bagley, who uh, was a f- former ECD at, at uh, Wyden Kennedy, um, really creative guy. Um, you may have heard of Wyden and Kennedy. They've done some creative things. Yeah, I think I've heard of. I think I, I think I've heard of those. Yeah, things, I think and I'm so not sure. He was in a session. He was in a session, and um, and you know, I was kind of just just accepted or stepped into the role of executive creative director, and you know, here I am with all these like greats. There's like people that like, you know, you've probably heard of it. You know, whatever. I, I hadn't because I was still kind of you know young in the game because I didn't come up through advertising. I came up through filmmaking. And so here I am in this room and everybody's like, you know, gooing and gone over all this work, this awesome work that he's been a part of. And I was like, huh, I get to ask him a question. <laughs> and so I was like, what am I going to ask him? You know? And I was like, well, I might look stupid, but I need to know this answer. And I asked the same thing you asked. Right. And so I was like, Hey man, like, you know, you're, you're working with world-class designers and copywriters. And I was like, how do you, like, what do you do? How do you create a direct when everyone's better than you? And he kind of paused. And I think everybody in the room sort of exhaled like, oh my gosh, thanks for asking that question. Yeah. And he kind of paused. He said, um, he said, you know what? He's like, you don't have to. He said, creative direction is about two things, provoke and inspire. And I went, oh, I can do that. Yeah. <laughs> and I thought it just took such a weight off of my shoulders. So I don't have to be the best designer in the shop, right. but I can provoke and inspire that designer to go further than they ever would. Right. Now, I might not be the best copywriter, but I can really inspire and provoke that copywriter to be the best writer they can be Right. by like, you know, recognizing things that are great, pointing out things that are interesting, sharing other content with them that might inspire them. And so I think that's really what I view it as is, you know, to be sort of like the chief provoker and inspirer where it's like when you see creatives on your team and you can help them get unblocked by sharing, you know, maybe it's sharing a song. Hey, man, check out this song. Listen to this. This hmm. might help what you're working on hmm. or or maybe a book. Hey, man, you know, I think you're you're about to go into a design on like, um, you know, something that feels sort of like um, classical, uh, you know, sort of. Um, you know, like think like Leonardo da Vinci sort of, you know, classical sort of design type stuff. Um, hey, check out this book. You know, this might help help, you know, give you some ideas or, you know, whatever it might be. And a lot of times I find like using the opposites, like, you know, give give a designer words and give a writer images. Hmm. 
can be an interesting way to get them to sort of like to provoke or inspire like what they're working on. But I think those two things I've just sort of adopted and said, thanks, Jason Bagley. You probably know more than I do. So I'm going to, I'm going to stick with provoke and inspire. That's, that's pretty, pretty awesome. And, and do you, I mean, do you literally do some of those things? Like you're literally oh, yeah. saying, Hey, listen to this. Oh yeah. That's Absolutely. great. So as a musician, you know, you're a musician, I'm a musician, you know, we tend to speak in, in music, right? So like I'll say oftentimes, you know, my, my, uh, ACD, you know, we're, we're very close and, and he'll be working on something. And I might say something to the effect of, man, I really like where that's going, but you know, add a little more like, uh, 19 early nineties, Madonna, you know, <laughs> and then like, that's, you know, like that's th- that way you're not telling somebody what to do or what you want, but you're just kind of getting them in a direction that's interesting. Or, you know, might, you know, you might say to you know someone else like, Hey, I really like these lines or I like this, this script that you wrote, but you know, do me a favor and go watch, um, you know, Jean-Pierre Junet's Amelie, you know, like go watch that film and then come back to your piece. Like, Maybe you'll find something, you know, like that sort of stuff. Yeah. How do you, uh, and, and you know, uh, how do you find the time to do that? I mean, I'm just, I'm just curious because oftentimes we're working with such tight deadlines. Um, I'm just curious how you, how do you manage to do that? Or is it just on certain projects or, you know, just more of a tactical question, but I'm just curious. Yeah. It just depends. I think part of it is just creating a culture where that's like normal. You know, what I learned from, you know, Todd, my uh, art director, ACD, is is he's he always talks about doing a study, you know, and early on, I was like, what the hell are you talking about, man? You know, and he'll be like, you know, um, you know, just just go do a study on this or go do a study on that. Hmm. You know, go go do a study here or there. And what he's saying is he's just saying, like, take a minute, like, take it, like, stop what you're doing. Take a moment and go, like, delve into, you know, um, you know minimalism and just sort of soak in that for a minute or go, you know, look at brutalism or go look at, uh, you know, um, 90 sitcoms. I don't know, like whatever it is, like go soak in that for a minute and just like, see what you find. And you might find that 90 sitcoms is like, that was it. That was the answer that unlocks what you're, what you're trying mm. to do. You mm. know? Yeah. That's really, that's, that's kind of inspiring me because I, I, I think that sometimes I tend to, you know, get really, sometimes I, I get prescriptive, right? And, 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 and that's not what I should be doing, A. And B, you know, designer or a writer or something doesn't, they don't want that all the time. But sometimes we get into this mode where it's like, I got to get, get this done. I have a pretty good idea of where, what I, where I think it needs to be. But that's, that's good food for thought for me to maybe take a step back and just say, hey, go look at this or go watch that. Yeah. Um, as a way to take myself out of being prescriptive and, and let them explore a little bit. So that's, that's good. This is why I love this show. Why I love doing this show, man. Cause Hey, I'm getting all kinds of really great nuggets yeah. here. And, I've got, and I've got like a, therapy. I've got a great, a great example. Um, yeah. Just recently we work with a client that, that moves, it's a moving company. They move people across the country. Yeah. And so they, they drive trucks, they do these things and it's kind of an internal project and they have this award ceremony they do. Um, every year called uh, Bravo and they give out awards to their different people and, and, you know, partners and truck drivers and that sort of thing. And and so constantly coming up with ways of how do we create a new identity for this award and how do we celebrate these sort of things? And so this was a case in point. I like 
you know, I thought of awards and I immediately thought of hood ornaments on cars. Yeah. And you think of some of the great trucks, Peterbilt, Mack trucks, et cetera. Mm-hmm. They got these iconic statues that feels like an award. And so I told one of our designers, I said, you know, hey, Shane, like, go do a study on like trucks and hood ornaments. And he immediately was just like, oh, I know where you're going. And he just like he went down that road and like brought back the, the idea that, you know, we're going to pitch to the client that's going to say, hey, we're going to we want to go down this road and explore what this looks like. You know, what if this whole award we designed these things that looked like truck ornaments, but really it was the award for this like, you know, award show. Um, you know, what would that look like? And so that's, that's cool. That's a cool idea. That's going to maybe come to life, but that just came from like uh, just the simplicity of like, you know, that culture of like, Hey, who else puts like statues on stuff? Truck yeah. companies do, you know, that's cool. That's really clever. That's awesome. So you've talked a little bit, you know, you've kind of give us, given us a couple little glimpses into your creative process, mm-hmm. but are there some other key things, other key steps? And I, I and I've talked about this a lot on, on the show about, you know, people and clients specifically thinking that there's this magical process, one size fits mm-hmm. all kind of just run it through the meat grinder and then you'll get guaranteed great ideas. So I know it's not that kind of thing, or at least I, I I think so. And maybe you do have a secret process, but what are some of the other sort of key steps or some of the other things that you like to employ in your creative yeah. process? Well, I'm a big believer in like the hip hop method of like remixing. Like, I don't think anything, I don't necessarily think anything's original, you know, right. like I agree. everything's, everything's a remix. I mean, yep. even, you know, even, you know, Bob Dylan was remixing, he was taking old, other folk songs and and riffing on those and if you look throughout music and art and you can always look at any artist and then point back to like the one before him and maybe it ultimately lands back at hieroglyphics but um you know that kind of a thing and so i don't claim that i'm some sort of real original but i do love hip-hop and i love you know the way things um in modern music have just become these really interesting and beautiful mashups you know and so you know, most of the hip hop music we listen to today is just seventies music, right? Like that's what I grew up, you know, I was born in, in 78. Um, you know, I grew up with an eight track player in my mom and dad's car, you know, you know, I had, uh, you know, do you remember when we were gone in September? Yeah. You know what I mean? And so I was like, um, I don't know if I have to pay for that, the royalties on that little sample I just did there, but, um, but, but, you know, I grew up with that music. And so to hear it come to life in a new way, to me, doesn't take away from the new creation. The new creation is just as clever, just as interesting the way they sampled that old music. And I think the same way, like when we do work or, you know, even work for clients, like we don't have to like, we don't have to like reinvent the wheel. Like we can look to other work and be inspired. And so, you know, I think about the, um, the book from um, Austin, uh, I think it's Cleon, Steal Like an Artist. Yeah, I have he, that. Yeah, I yeah, where that. he really delves into this idea and this concept. And I think that's probably more of my process and where I'm at is like, you know, I just like look around the world and observe and sort of like, you know, dive into stuff and see like, hey, can we remix this over here? And oh, that that's an interesting beat. And oh, that's a cool hook. And what if we mash that up? And what if we take, you know, uh, you know classical and we mash it up with folk music? And oh, yeah, that feels like the right brand, you know, move, you know, that sort of thing. Interesting. So and no, there's no like, there's no easy button, right? Is that part? I'm just curious because that could be a really interesting, uh, you know, I'm on the quest for like 
the best possible creative brief, right? And mm. I love like our our creative brief has a couple of like check boxes and yeah. things that you you know sort of just to make them a little bit more engaging and 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 provoke people to kind of think through the information that they're giving us, right? Because a brief yeah. should be brief. But that just that that brought to mind this really interesting idea. Is it kind of you know does that make the brief where it's like one part? this plus one part this plus one yeah. part this go off and explore that that's part of it that's that's really kind of a cool idea i like that yeah we we kind of have something like that i won't i won't give all the secrets away but um leap group you know we we really believe in the idea of uh market less matter more meaning mm-hmm. that like it's not about just volume and being noisy but it's about being strategic and really you know really saying the right thing to the right person at the right time, you know, all that stuff, you know? Right. Um, and one of the things we do on our creative briefs is we have sort of what we call the poster and mm. the poster says market less blank more. Mm. And it's a simple four word structure. So for instance, um, I don't know, give me a fake brand, like a fake, uh, a fake thing. I don't know. Um, I don't know. A new guitar company. Okay, so you come to me, hi man. You're like, hey, I got this new guitar company. It's going to be pretty awesome, and we're going to target all only left hand guitar players, right? Because that's a niche market. Yeah. That's a need. You know, all the guitars are all for righties. You want to make them for only lefties, and um, your maybe your your specific thing is you want to lean into Keith Richards, and you're only going to have five strings on your guitars. Love it. Is that good? Is that a good brand? That's a great brand. All right, let's build this brand. So then I might say, as we do that work, like we would like, we have like all this stuff on our brief, but ultimately it's going to end in, a, in what we call the poster. And it might say market less play more. Maybe that could be good. You could do market less rock more. Yeah. Market less, whatever it might be. But then ultimately you're going to find out, okay, we got left-handed guitar players. players. It's only five strings. Um, and then maybe it's market less switch more market, less reverse more market, less, you know, until you land on something you're like, yes, that's something we can stand by. And then you have the, you know, the rest of the brief that's in there with all the details, but every creative has that poster sort of up on the wall. And they know at the end of the day, if you can't market less switch it up more because it's left-handed, then you're missing the mark, right? So, like, we we kind of that's yeah. one little little teaser so, of what we do. Yeah, that's something that we that we call the single minded proposition, right? It's like if you mm. remember if you remember nothing else about this brief, it's yeah. this one little statement, it's this one little idea that should be the guiding principle. Um, yeah. yeah, that's cool. I like that. Stealing that, stealing that. Yeah, uh, I, I kind of think we should make this guitar. I think so too. I, I I think so too. I would love to. I mean, believe me, I'd love to uh, to do some work for for Fender. So Fender, if you're listening, yeah. Uh, yeah. Play, or Gibson. Gibson is actually a client uh, of ours that I haven't gotten to work on. So hopefully, um, cool. I can do that. I have a Gibson back there, as you can see. But yeah, uh, yeah that's awesome. So where do you go? You've rattled off a book you've rattled off uh some movies already in mm. this in this we've only been talking for about 20 minutes you've rattled <laughs> off a lot of stuff so you seem like you have a, a sort of a deep knowledge of a lot of different things right film music mm-hmm. tv you know literature etc where do you go or or what's your go to for drawing inspiration what do you you know wh- how do you get inspired yeah that's a good question 
Um, well, one on my podcast, a quick read, the whole point was that I'd bring on guests and they get to pick out a book to share with me that they want to talk about. And then they share three big ideas from the book. Right. And so through doing that um, already, even though we, we've kind of, you know, are new in the game as a podcast, I've learned so much and been exposed to some new books. So that's really great. I do love to read. Um, I do love film. I love all those things, but there's, there's a trilogy I'm going to share with you. And, and this means a lot to me. And it's, 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 it helps with creative, but it just sort of helps balance life. And so to me, I've been a, a big fan of um, stoic philosophy mm. and I came across the author, Ryan Holiday, who wrote a book called The Obstacle is the Way. And that book was just like, boom, it was just like really good for me. Um, and then I also, his other book um, is uh, Ego is the Enemy. And I mm. think that any creative, creative director, you know, people like us who sometimes we lose ourselves and we, we get in our heads and we think we're like, you know, somehow we think we're iconic and we think that we need to be great. And then all of a sudden we have this giant ego problem. Right. And, um, and so that book is like always an anchor to sort of like come back to sort of, you know, humility and ground zero. And most recently he published a book called, um, stillness is key. Hmm. And it's really about just taking the time to sort of like unwind, sort of come to calm down and just sort of like be in the moment, sort of appreciate the moment. It was so funny because this morning I woke up, we have a calendar at my house, um, like sort of in the hallway where it's like sort of these like silver philosophical quotes you know yeah. it's kind of cheesy but it's kind of awesome and every now and again you get one that's like amazing and so this morning i go in and it says um some people uh, what was it some people uh what is it oh some people get wet and others feel the raindrops hmm. bob that was by bob marley and that's exactly what stillness is is the key is about it's about appreciating the moment you're in, even if it seems insignificant. So like when you're sitting at a traffic light, let's say you're out in LA. So you're in, you're stuck in LA traffic. It's hot as all get out. Your air conditioner's broken. Your windows are down. You're moving two millimeters a second. But yet if you pause for a minute and you listen, you hear, you hear the music of the car, maybe to the right of you. Mm-hmm. And then maybe you hear something different to the left of you. Maybe it's somebody on a, on their, um, on their Bluetooth and they're having some crazy conversation about like how horrible they're like, you know what I mean? And like, you're like, well, crap compared to them, my life's pretty good. And then maybe you like, you know, like the next thing you know, you're like in the moment and you're like, oh my gosh, if I wasn't stuck in this traffic, I would not be immersed in this reality show that I'm in right now. I've got this guy jamming out to the right on, you know, Los Lobos. I got this lady on the left going crazy about, you know, her husband. Like this is the most entertaining part of my day. And that's sort of like that moment of like stillness is key where you can like sort of like you can find the Zen even in like the noise. And it's just and so for those three books for me, he actually on if you go to Amazon, they package all three books like in a in a collection. Hmm. And for me, it's become sort of like my canon. So like every year, I'll, I will read those three books every year. And it sort of recenters me and, and sort of – it does a lot. So anyway, that would be – if I recommended to anybody, those three books I think can change your life. You know, what's interesting about – about uh, specifically about the, the Stoic philosophy, right? And I don't know much about it. But I don't. I would. I don't think I'd ever describe you as a stoic 
person, <laughs> right? And maybe I'm not in, uh, understanding the, the the whole philosophy, but um, what what do you? How do you? How, can you describe for the listeners what um, stoicism means? Because in my mind, it was all it was sort of about being very. You know, I don't know what the word is, not dispassionate because, uh, mm-hmm. you know, that I don't think that's right. But it's it's sort of like, I don't know, how would how would you describe it? Because it seems at, at odds with the way that you seem to be, which is very, <laughs> you know, no, I mean, animated. I like, and, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think that um, really, you know, it seems like a lot of the writings were about like, you know, just like appreciating the moment for what it is mm. or like accepting, accepting what is in front of you. Yeah. Um, you know, it's, it's about making you more resilient and happier, um, wise, virtuous, um, you know, stoic. I, I don't know. I just think a lot of the, the, the things that I read and the things that like sort of like the quotes and the stuff that it, it's, it's about, like you don't have to want what everyone else wants. You don't have to have what everyone else mm, has. Yeah. You're like you can be at peace with like where you're at. Okay. And I think that's so important with um with creatives, right? Because like you know, when you play the game of comparison, no one wins, right? Like there's always someone better than you in your discipline or like there's someone more like beautiful than you. And then there's always someone like uglier than you and someone like more of a beginner than you. Right. And so if you play the game of comparison, you never win. Yeah, you can look down on people and feel good about yourself, but like that's not like very noble. And if you like continually just look at like who's at the top of their game, like you'll get depressed. So like you can't ever win. And so the only way forward is like to accept the moment you're in and to say, this is where I'm at today. And, you know, I'm doing okay. Like I, here's the things I appreciate. You know, I'm going to show gratitude for this moment I'm in, the season I'm in, and tomorrow, like I might, I might be in a different state, and and it could be better or worse. I mean, we're all, you know, we're all one decision away or one, you know, client loss away from becoming unemployed. Yeah, you know, so it's like you got to be able to sit in the moment and make the mess up most of it. And it's really hard. And I think we all struggle with that because, um, you know, it, it, it requires gratitude. I mean, there's times where I sit there and I'm just like, wow, my life is amazing. Right. And then there's other times where I sit there and I whine and I'm like, ah, oh, I don't like this. And I'm so frustrated. And it's like, <laughs> wait, and I'm just not showing gratitude, you know, right. I'm just being sort of spoiled. Yeah, no, I have those moments too. And I just heard this quote the other day and I just looked it up quickly and it says, comparison is the thief of joy, Theodore mm-hmm. Roosevelt. And it's true, right? True because that. you're right. Oh, yeah. You are comparing um, when you do when you make those com- comparisons. It's it does rob you of you know of joy yeah. and kind of gratitude and stuff. And I have those moments too when you're I'm walking around thinking about something and going like, Am I really upset about this? Yeah. Or so. not only that, but like you know when you when we think about creative in our careers, like do you think any creatives out there at any agency are just like, oh man, I love tampons or i love deodorant or i love you know i love uh seat belts you know i mean like i don't think anyone really lives for any of these things that we do i think what we live for are the shared moments together you know like being in the writer's room with your writer and designer and getting to like like that's the moment right the moment is when you're like 
wow, we're getting paid to sit here and think of funny things for this car company. Right. Like, wow, what a job we have. This is a joy. How amazing. But at the end of the day, do we really care about like the quote stuff? Like, I don't think so. I think most of us care about like our families and like our loved ones and like having health and food on the table. And like, that's what matters. I think our work can be significant, but I think the process of the work is even more significant. The people we work with, the creative process, the ability to share ideas for a living. Wow. That's special. That's true. And I, you know, sometimes you, you forget about that because the, the struggle that I have is, I think is not seeing some of those great ideas come to life. And that's, I think where I, where I get in that, sort of in that comparison mode where you're like, man, I wish oh, I, I yeah. wish I could have done that or why, well, you know, we, we, I had that same idea for so-and-so yeah. and, and someone's, you know, somebody else did it. Like why? So I think that's yeah. where that comes in to play. But, you know, like you just said, I think the process and I had the same thought. So should I take, I should take some joy and some, uh, uh, you know, appreciation in, in knowing that I had the thought I didn't, I wasn't able to sell it through or yeah. the client decided not to do it, but I still had the same thought. It's just tough. I think as a creative person, cause you want to see, you know, all your great ideas come to life. Oh yeah. I always- mean, I think, I think we get a bad rap sometimes people look at, you know, I got friends and they're like, well, what do you do? And I'm like, well, you know, we make commercials, we do things, we creative. And they're like, well, what does that mean? I'm like, you know, like we sit in a room and we just like come up with jokes and stuff. And they're like, what? You know? And sometimes like, creatives i think get a get this bad rap of like you know we're just these like you know we don't really do anything you know because we're not doing like physical labor yeah but i think what what people don't understand is how exhausting it is to be rejected 90 percent of the time oh i know you know what i mean like you could work in a factory or you could work in retail and like um it's manual and it's like physical labor and you're like tired at the end of the day and you just like want to go home and rest because you've been on your feet all day but for the most part, like you're just like you're pushing the button, you're swiping the card, you're doing the thing. And for the most part, people are happy that you gave them their coffee or you gave them their um, tax returns or whatever it is that you do. And what we do for a living is we bring forward ideas that we're really excited about. And then we have people go, <laughs> we have people go, yeah, I don't think that's really hitting the mark. Yeah, I know. And so our day ends not physically exhausted. But ultimately, mentally exhausted, emotionally, of like, yeah, emotionally wrecked because like all day people just like basically reject us. And then like every now and again, you get the one thing or the one idea and then they're like, we love you. This yeah. is amazing. And, but but it takes a while to get there. Yeah, it's funny. Just a couple of days ago, uh, this this uh, this guy on our team who works on the account sort of strategy side had been working on this on this strategy deck regarding um you know these sponsorships and had been working on this this deck for weeks you know yeah and got it to the client and they completely tore it apart you know he said man it looks nothing like we originally planned it's completely been gutted and he said i finally understand how you feel as a creative person <laughs> because I've never had somebody sort of rip my, my baby apart. So I finally get it. And I was like, yep, 
that's that's about right. You know, is he, he said something like it's unrecognizable to me what what's happened. So it's true. It's true. Uh, yeah, you know, sure. it, 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 there is a lot of rejection and then you just keep going. You know, I also, I also kind of do this little trick and I don't know, tell me what you think. And, and I think some creative people would, would be upset about this, but I also kind of try to look at stuff in the overall value that I think they're going to provide to mm. the creative person or to, the agency or even to the client. And I kind of make some decisions and say, guys, this one's not that important. Like I think mm-hmm. we can, you know, I think good is good enough and you don't, and you don't kill yourself and you, you kind of save your creative capital for something else. Is that bad? I don't think so. I yeah. think that, um, you know what I'm saying, think, right? You know what yeah. I yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. For sure. I think all of us as creatives, could learn how to do good enough a little better. Yeah. You know, I think that, um, I think you're right. I mean, I think like, um, you know, we want so bad for everything we do to be a masterpiece, you know? Yeah. Oh, but if we do this, they'll write us up in ad age, you know, ad week will talk about us, you know, like sometimes like you don't need to be written up at ad week. Sometimes you just need to sell like one more like taco. Yeah. You know, you just yeah. need to sell a couple more tacos and like the client will be super happy. Like, oh my gosh, we sold 0.5 more tacos this, this month. You guys are amazing. Yeah. Like that's a win too, right? Yeah. But I think like oftentimes like business and marketing wins aren't often, they don't, they're not always creative wins. Right. You know what I mean? And I think that's the thing. That's the struggle because I think a lot of creatives like want that creative win. They want to be like, look at this awesome thing I made. And really it's like, no, no buddy. Like your job is to help sell like just a couple more toothbrushes. Yeah. You know? And if you want like for the awesome thing you made, like do that, like at night, like go write your song, go make the thing, design your screen printed poster. But like it's okay that like you sold one percent more toothbrushes. Like that's something to be proud of. So right? yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, speak speaking of kind of like which is what you were alluding to, I believe is you have other you know you have cre- another creative outlet which is music, which is filmmaking. Just just like yeah. I have my my music as well. Um, what are some other things that you like to do outside of, of, of work to sort of, you know, if you're not getting your, your fill of creativity at work, what are the things that you um, like to do outside of work to kind of fill that void? Yeah, man. Uh, music for sure. I mean, I love producing music. I actually studied my bachelor's degree is in music production. I went to Columbia college in Chicago wow. and studied music production. And I mean, we had, it was amazing. We had classes where like, my class was to like record a jazz trio and I would get graded on like how good the kick drum sounded. Right. I mean, that's awesome. Like, and, and unfortunately when I graduated in 2002, um, that was the year that Napster was released. (laughs) And so I graduated with a music production degree, the year that music production ended in the world for the next 10 to, to 15 years until they figured out instead of suing people, they could make money by streaming. Right. And so, so that's how I made a pivot into film because, you know, editing, um, 
audio is very similar to editing video. You're just moving sort of things around. Yeah. But for me, I love it, man. I, I, uh, right now I'm working, um, with a creative director, um, partner of mine, who's a singer songwriter and we're working on an EP for him. And what I love is not necessarily making my music. I like making other people's music. And so I like to, to, to sort of understand what they're trying to capture and sort of study other various, um, you know, musicians and songs that are out there that are going to teach us about how we want this person's sound to be. So right now we're kind of doing studies on this sort of like, um, the, his sound is kind of like folk inspired, but he's very soulful and, and we like beats and rhythm, but we don't want to overdo it. So I'm just like studying different things and we're going to be, we've already listened to like 12 of his demos. We've narrowed it down to six songs and we're going to really work on those six songs to create this EP that really feels like it comes from the same spirit. So I'm like so stoked about that. So that's one thing I love producing other people's music. So if you're listening, if you're a musician, um, this is something I do for a passion. So hit me up. Um, I would love to work with you and collaborate and produce something. And Jaime, I think, you know, you're a songwriter. So I think me and you should produce a track together. I love it. So, so if you bring me a song, all I need is like this, you and a guitar, and then I'll bring what I bring to it from production standpoint, and we'll create something new and we'll put it out to the world. I love it. You know, I, I wrote 52 songs last year. I, I yeah, wrote a song. Like a I wrote a song uh, a week. So, um, and just recently finished like last, um, probably about a month and a half ago, taking a little break, but I, I, I miss that. Um, so yeah, absolutely. We will, okay. we will do that. Yeah. When, um, when I'm not producing music, um, I like to dabble in other stuff, but one of the things that's really fun I've been doing this through the pandemic was skateboarding. Ah. So I, I am actually a, uh, an OG member of the, uh, infamous dad skate squad. So you can find us on Instagram at dad skate squad. We're very active in Cincinnati. We got like 50 members on a Wednesday night. So we roll, we roll on Wednesday nights. We roll for about an hour. Then we end up back at like a truck where we drink beers and eat watermelon. <laughs> and, uh, and the, and to be in the gang, to be in the gang, you gotta be a dad. And you got to be able to skateboard. That's it. Otherwise, you're in the gang. And so uh, we've been written up by like the Cincinnati newspapers. We've been on the news like, they, you know, people love us because we're just a bunch of dads who, you know, we're not fancy. We can't do tricks, but we just ride skateboards and it's fun. And uh, so that's a lot of fun. That's been really good for the pandemic is just being able to get out every Wednesday night and ride and um, have a lot of fun. So that's really cool, man. So stuff like that, you know, I mean, I don't know. And I've been doing a lot of fishing with my son and I'm not really a fish. I'm not really a fisherman. He wanted to get into fishing. Um, he wanted to go, and then we went. He caught his first fish. His first fish was like a 14-inch bass. Wow. And now the, now the kid's hooked. He's like, Dad, this is awesome. And he thinks they're like Pokemon. <laughs> you know, like you you cast out, you catch it, and then you're like we have an app that we like. We log the fish, how big it was, where was the pond, that sort of thing. So now he's like, Dad, you know, we need to catch a trout. We need to catch a, you know, a, you know a, a whatever. And I'm like, dude, I don't. I don't know that you just go out and catch a trout. I think you have to have like a method, you know, <laughs> but right now we catch a lot of uh, little small fish and crappie and whatever. It's been a lot of fun. That's awesome. That's very cool. Um, sort of bouncing back to something that you, that you said, and I, I made a little note to, to ask you about it. Um, what are you, what are your thoughts, especially because you just, you mentioned a, f- a few minutes ago, you have a degree in, in uh, music production you, yeah. you're, you're a filmmaker, et cetera. So you've got some, some knowledge and some training and some education in that. 
What are your thoughts about now everybody's a content creator. Now everybody's oh. making their own films. Now everybody yeah. is making, you know, music in uh on GarageBand at home. What are your thoughts about that? Uh Yeah. You know, as especially since <laughs> yeah, I I'm I, I you just smiled like you I've got some thoughts on this. You, yeah. I mean, fun. here's the thing, man, like um people have five cameras on their phones now. Yeah. Like the phone itself has five cameras. Like what what are we doing? You know what I mean? Like this is insane. And and everything looks good. Right. You know what I mean? Like I'm not a hater. You know, young kids coming up in the game, amateurs, every camera now looks awesome. Every camera's 4K. Every editing system is great. Every editing system is free or $9 a month. Um it's all it's all good. Like it's all working, you know? And it's so accessible, and the democratization of of technology has been beautiful. There's so many people that get to be a part of this culture and create content more than ever without having to invest a ton of money. Um, and so what that means is is it's super saturated in content creators. Yeah. But there's a lot of bad music videos out there and there's a lot of bad songs out there and there's a lot of bad photos out there and there's a lot of bad because the currency is the idea. Right. And the idea is King. When the gear was expensive, production was on top of the Hill. It was the King of the Hill because in my day, when I first started editing, you know, to really edit something of any value, you had to have an Avid machine, which was a piece of hardware. It was like a sixty to eighty thousand dollar piece of hardware to edit something of substance and sort of like play in the big leagues. And um, cameras, I mean, you know, to 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 film on anything of of any substance was, you know, you had to rent like an eighty thousand dollar camera or like you know it was that sort of stuff. And so, right. um. So you could, by sheer production quality, mm. have a bad idea, but because it was so well produced, it would either do well or it would stand out as, oh my gosh, that looks so good, but it could be a bad idea. Yeah. Um, now, everybody's stuff looks good. I mean, go to TikTok, and it, they're doing cool stuff on TikTok that you, you're like, how did they do that? What did they shoot that on? And you're like, oh, they shot that on an iPhone. Um, or, or whatever. Um, but the idea is King, right? And so I think that's also evident on platforms like TikTok. There's some really innovative people coming up with really interesting ideas where the, the production level is maybe low, but it goes viral because the idea is very big. Yep. So I think the currency is ideas. And I think that ultimately gear is like at some point, like we don't need more K's. Like we don't need 8K, 12K, 20K, 40K, whatever it is as far as resolution. Like at some point it doesn't matter because your eyeballs can't even like right. compute the quality. Right. Kind of like MP3s, you know, like back in the day, people were like, oh, the purest, you have to have a $20,000, you know, or $200,000 stereo system to hear the pure sound. And it's like, no, you don't. Like my, my AirPods are pretty good and the music's good enough. Like it's pretty great. If you put Spotify on high quality, it's pretty damn good. Like, you know, you don't have to have a $40,000 stereo system to hear, like, the nuance of the kick drum. Like, I can hear the nuance pretty good. Yeah. You know? But what matters is the content. There's so many records on Spotify. 
but I don't listen to them all because most of them are trash. <laughs> and every now and again, you come across something great. Right. You know? And you're like, Ooh, yeah. Yeah. And that's kind of what I, what I talked to my team about is that, you know, I want them to be thinking about the big ideas, right. And, 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 and the conceptual thinking, because everything else is very quickly becoming a, a commodity. Right. Um, yeah. and, and sometimes that doesn't always sound great to maybe somebody that's, you know, let's say a designer. And I don't mean mm-hmm. it to be, cause obviously there's still lots of conceptual thinking that goes into design. What, what I mean is that I would much rather my team continue to grow as creative people so that they're coming up with the idea and they're directing somebody on how to bring that idea to life because the idea is what's valuable. Everything else is becoming a commodity. You can find credible designers all over the country that are ready to work that, you know, work for, for, you know, a, a, some, a fee that's fair. And you can spend as a, as a creative director, you can spend your time, working on multiple big ideas and bring in the people that you, that you need to execute. So that's kind of my thinking. Absolutely. Some people don't necessarily like that thinking and think that maybe it's, but you know, I would rather, you know, spend my time thinking about the idea, providing them a great study. Like you said earlier, right? yeah. it's like, okay, here's a concept S- study these things. Cause I think that's where the idea is and, you know, go. Um, Yeah, no, I mean, I think that's the case, you know, so it's like, um, and I think too, like it can work the other way around, right? Like if you have some really great production designers or really great production writers in your shop, like give them the day-to-day stuff, give them like the, give them the blog posts and the web copy and all of that. And then go freelance really big idea writers when you need to go win that new business or or whatnot. So it can work, it it can work both ways. Oh, that's true. I hadn't thought about that. Yeah. That's, that's, that's very true. Huh. I like that. Uh, yeah, man. man. I'm getting lots of great, uh, some, a lot of free, this is like a masterclass here. <laughs> I don't know about that. Um, so if you weren't, you know, if you weren't a creative director, I mean, what else would you be doing? Obviously music is important, but yeah. is there some other thing you would be doing? Ah, oh, man. Um, I like to cheer people on. So I, I think like, I don't know how I could really make money doing what it. What do you mean? Like, life I, coach, life coach. Yeah. Life that's, coach. that's what I'm saying. Yeah. They, I feel like I could definitely step into that life coach realm. I think like I, I like to encourage people and sort of like share. Um, it, we, in my house, we call it, uh, we call it dad, dad advice. Yeah. My daughter's 18. She's going to be um, graduating this year. She's going to the university of Cincinnati for environmental studies. And we've over the, over the course of, you know, 18 years of, She's gotten so used to me saying, um, her name's L and I will just say something like L I need you to listen for a second. And then she'll go, Oh, dad advice. And I'll be like, yeah. And then I'll just like, give her like a, I'll just give her like some coaching. I'll say, you know, like, like we'll have like a bad customer service experience at say something like, I don't know, McDonald's, right? Let's <laughs> say we go to the McDonald's drive through and the person working the drive through is like completely apathetic, you know? And what we'll do is we'll get out of the drive-thru and I'll pull over and I'll say, L, I need you to listen to me. And she knows what's coming. And I'll say, I'll say, here's the thing. What we just experienced was an apathetic worker who didn't care about us. They didn't really care about their job. They are just existing. And I said, don't be that person. If you ever were to work at McDonald's or wherever you work, put your heart into it. 
Show some love. Care about the other person on the other side. Think about if that was you, what kind of experience would you want to have? And like, I'll give these like little rants and then I'll look at her and I'll say, are you with me? And then she'll go, yeah, dad. Okay. And like, that's kind of like, uh, you know, a thing. So she's got like, um, she's got a lot of dad advice. I, I like it. But I think, I think I could do that. I think I could be like, I could give dad advice to other people. So that would be one thing, but really like my passion, man. Like if you told me, Hey, Brandon, um, tomorrow, I'll pay you like what you need to like make your ends meet to like produce music. I would, I would sign on the dotted line anywhere. Yeah. I, that's my love, man. That's my love. It's my first, it's my heart song. That's cool. I think you're right. I just love it. I think you need to write when you were talking about that, when you, as you, as you were t- telling the story of, of telling your daughter, you know, I need you to listen. I kept thinking you need some Sonic, like a little Sonic branding there. Like, Dun, 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 dun. You know, like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Or some little musical <laughs> interlude that, that plays automatically. A for dad vice, yeah. You know? Welcome to dad vice. Yeah. <laughs> it's like the more you know kind of kind of a vibe. So maybe you can maybe you can work on that. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that that would that definitely would be cool. I would I would probably take the same deal, uh, except maybe just playing music. Because I, I like I like the production aspect. If I were a producer, yeah. I'd be more of the Rick Rubin kind of producer, right? Oh, I'm going to yeah. find you. I'm going to vibe guy. I'm going to set you up with the right vibe. I'm going to bring in some yeah. cool players, gear. And then I'm just, you know. and just start mute. And just, if you're Rick, you just start muting tracks. Right. You're like you take the track they brought you and you just like mute five things. And you're like, it's finished. Exactly. I want to be, I want to be like, <laughs> you know, that kind of guy. Cause I'm not a, you know, I barely understand things like compression and, you know, barely. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, you know, I, I want to be that, that sort of big picture. And I, you know, that's funny. Cause I also think of, you know, sort of marketing in that way. I want to be the, I want to be the big picture guy. I want to be the, yeah. you know, and then the other details I'll bring in the smartest people in each of the different areas to, yeah, man. to do that. Um, so you just talked a little bit about dad vice. Who's giving you advice? Who's giving you some, some mm. really great mentorship. What's the best piece of advice you've, you've, uh, received from a mentor or, and it could be a, you know, related to work. It could be related to life. Yeah. You know, what's the best piece of advice you've received? Mm. So I've got three stories, um, that I'll share One's two, two of them are, are fairly quick. The third one is interesting. Um, because I do, I have a lot of mentors and I believe in, in mentorship and I try to, you know, take people under my wing when I can. Um, First off is a, one of my best friends, Alex um, Elkins. He's a director of photography. He's brilliant. He's amazing. He's filmed on a bunch of stuff. Um, and he's done movies, music videos, commercials, the whole deal. And I was getting discouraged um, several years ago. We were on set for a CPG good. They sell like shampoo or whatever. And here I was, and I was kind of in a in a funk. And I was like, man, I don't really care about shampoo. And like, you know, what are we doing here? You know, that kind of a a little bit of an Eeyore situation and we were sitting there on set and he says, Brandon, he says, uh, do you like superhero movies? I said, no, you know that. Why'd you ask that? He says, but you watch them with your son, right? I said, yeah. He said, why? I said, cause he's my son. And then he says, look out there. He goes, look at, look at Whitey over there as a gaffer. He's having so much fun putting up that light and he's getting to, to cash that check for his family. And here's this kid who's younger than me, you know, and he's giving me this wisdom. And he says, you know, look over there at, at the AC prepping that area Alexa. She's so excited. She gets to prep an area Alexa today. And guess what? She gets to take that check home and provide, you know, income for her family. And then he looked at me and he goes, quit doing this for yourself. 
start being a dad on set. Hmm. And he walked away. He walked away. And I was like, oh, my gosh. I just got schooled by like a 30-something, 20-something at the time. Yeah. And I realized that, man, do it for the, so the idea of do it for the fam, you know, if you're discouraged or if you, if you feel like your, your work is meaningless, look around at your, your, your family, your work family, look at your, your coworkers, look at your other people and, and you're in it together with them. And, and you doing a good job means that, that they get to, to do a good job as well, which means everybody continues to be employed and we all get to, you know, eat and have a place to sleep. Yeah. And so just a little change of perspective. That was really nice. I had an older mentor back in the day that um, taught me the lesson of stay in the room, stay in the room. And he used to say, you got to stay in the room long enough to get to the good stuff. And really that was a lesson about conflict. You know, when you get into conflict, a lot of people don't want to approach conflict. They want to run away from conflict. Mm -hmm. But when you stay in the room together and you work through that conflict, you can get to a deeper level. So if you have, you know, um, animosity with your, you know, your life partner, um, your kids, your parents, your coworkers, your boss, you know, set aside a time and say, look, we got to deal with this head on. And then you go get in that room and you stay in that room and you share your feelings, man. And this is where I'm at. And this is how I did it. And if you stay in that room long enough, you'll have a breakthrough moment where, you know, empathy and sort of, you know, you'll see their point of view and they'll see your point of view and you'll share this moment and you'll enrich a relationship that goes way deeper. And I think as creatives, if, if sometimes we get into, you know, um, tension with a client, you know, really encouraging them and being the, um, the humble person to sort of, you know, stay in the room with them to get to the good stuff, then you could break through and make that a 20 year, you know, client or a 10 year client because you were willing to, you know, stay in the room long enough. So I thought that was a really good piece of advice that's served me really well. And then lastly, as far as mentorship goes, there's one guy who's literally means the world to me. His name's Warren. Um, and he's just, he's, he's awesome. And he, I got connected to him through a third party friend and, um, he took the first meeting with me at this local local bar and he basically was kind of like, why am I here? Mm-hmm. And I was like, I don't know. Somebody said I needed to meet you. I was like, tell me what I need to know. Mm-hmm. And then he like just started telling me a story about like advertising. And then he goes, okay, that's it. And I'm like, okay. And I go, well, he's like, what other, what other questions do you got? And I'm like, this is so weird. And I'm like, well, like, what are you reading? He goes, I'll get back to you on that. And so like that, that moment ended. Right. And I was like, okay, that was like, that didn't go well. Like this guy's not like, he's not helping me. Then he texts me a picture of his bookshelf and like all of his books. He's like, read that. And then like, somehow we like, we would back and forth and then every now and again we get together. And next thing you know, it was like, he accepted that like he was my mentor and I accepted that he was like my Yoda. Mm-hmm. And that's our relationship to, to this day. And he does the craziest shit. Like I got a letter in the mail when I first sort of came to the agency I'm at now. I got a letter in the mail with holes poked in it, like a, like a hole punch. Yeah. And you could see these colors. And I was like, what is this? And I opened up the letter and it was a picture of a typewriter. And on the back was handwritten. It said, um, uh, you can come, uh, it said something to the effect of like, um, you have leveled up. You can come to my typewriter emporium and pick out your typewriter. <laughs> and then he gave me like coordinates, like longitude, latitude. That's cool. And so like I show up and sure enough, this guy in this like small city near Cincinnati has a literal storefront full of old typewriters. 
I'm not making this up. He has a typewriter emporium and he, he meets me there and I walk in and he goes, find the one that speaks to you. Mm -hmm. And then like, he gives me this old typewriter as his, like, it was like, he gave me a lightsaber and he was Yoda. And it was his way of acknowledging that like I had advanced in my career. That's cool. He's the coolest dude on the planet. And so to this day, like I like he's my rock. And if I need something, I reach out to him and then it's kind of become both ways. Like every now and again, he reaches out to me, but it's like, we always kind of know when we need to like talk to each other or communicate. And I just, I don't know, man, it's so dear to my heart. Like I just love this guy. That's awesome. So that's what I think mentorship means to me. That's very cool. And, and have you um, been able to sort of pay that forward? Do you, I assume you have some yeah. people that you, I think you know. it's one of those things, man. Right. Cause it's like, you don't, um, you know, that type of relationship has to go both ways, right? You have to have a mentor who wants to be that for someone. And then you have to have a mentee who wants that mentorship. Yeah. And I've come across a lot of people where I'm like, you know, I think I could give that person a lot, but they got to want it, you know? Yeah. And so, you know, I have, I've yet to find somebody who, who has shown an interest in a way where they want that, that back and forth to happen over time. There's moments, there's people, I think there's some people that I think I I am a mentor to, but not in that sort of way where it's like understood, like, oh, by the way, I'm your Mr. Miyagi, you're my Danielson. Yeah. But it'll, it'll, it'll happen. That's interesting. Yeah. I, I, I'm involved in like some mentorship programs right and right yeah and um but but you're right i I don't think i have necessarily found you know you know what's really funny to me and if anybody's listening that's uh you know maybe at a um an entry level in their career or sort of mid-level or whatever and if you enter a mentorship program reach out to your reach out to your mentor the 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 biggest turn <laughs> the biggest turnoff i was in this program and if i i know that if i was if the shoe was on the other foot and it has been when i've been involved in these things and it's like hey you know here's you know you, typically it's somebody from hr introducing you you know via email like hey here's your mentor you know i'll leave it to you guys to connect i would probably say hey uh i'd love to meet with you in the next you know couple days yeah I had somebody say like, yeah, I'm available like in three weeks from now. Is that, you know, will that work? I mean, that was like, it was, it was so weird to me. It's like, okay, so you're going to wait three, three weeks to reach out. Uh, And then once you reach out, like this, this person didn't even have a plan. They didn't have any questions. They didn't just, so anyway, if you are going to be in in a mentorship program, both ways, you know, show a little initiative, be, be, you know, sure. be, be proactive, yeah. have, have an agenda or have something that you want to learn about. And then I, yeah. I've had some really great ones too. I have one that's that, that really yeah, great. I can't wait until somebody comes to me and says, teach me everything. Right. And then I get, to, you know, and then I can step into my Mr. Miyagi moment and teach him how to paint the fence, you know? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. All right. Well, we've come to that point in the show um, where we have to pay off the the title of the show, which is Confessions of a, of a Creative oh Director. Oh my yeah! So it's time. It's time <laughs> to. Uh, it's time to bear your soul and and. Oh, <laughs> doesn't have, doesn't have to be that crazy. Uh, I got a good one. Um, 
I've got so, a good one for you. Yeah. Buddy. All right. Let's hear it. All right. Here's my confession. Um, early in my career, when I first started kind of directing, I had the opportunity to work with a corporation called Cintas. They make uh, like yeah. rugs and uniforms and you may have heard of them. Yep. And they did a partnership with Aaron Andrews, the sportscaster and also famous from dancing with the stars. So tall, blonde, beautiful, super smart, like unbelievable sport. Like she's so obsessed with sports. It's ridiculous. And so, you know, we were in Atlanta and we were going to do some, uh, some filming and then we were going to do some radio and she was so kind. She was just so great. If she happens to, to hear this, Aaron, you're the best. Um, she was so kind to me and just really um, knew I was probably a young director and she was very gracious and gave me the benefit of the doubt and um, very encouraging. And so we ended up going to, I think the studio was called White Wolf Studios. I'm not sure, but it was like a, it was a recording studio. We were going to do some radio. And so it was her reading and then there was going to be a voiceover, but obviously the voiceover would be piped in later. So I was going to read the part of the voiceover. Yeah. So we go into this sound booth, very tiny, almost like the size of an old phone booth. You know, for those of you who are listening who are older, you know what phone booths are. For those of you who are younger, a phone booth is about a three foot by three foot rectangle made out of glass that you step into and use the phone because cell phones didn't exist. Um. So we're in this tiny little vocal booth and, you know, we've got two mics. We're pretty close. Like we can, you know, feel each other's breath at this point. Um, and at this point I kind of know her. So I'm not, you know, like we're at this point, we've joked around a little bit, you know, we're cool. And so I'm going in there to riff and read the part of the voiceover. And she, she, she had requested that cause she was like, yeah, it'll be easier to do. I was like, all right, cool. So I go in there. And so we're reading a couple lines, things are going well. And then all of a sudden, I feel a gurgle in my stomach <laughs> and I'm like, uh Oh, and I like try to like, try to ignore it and it starts to build in pressure. And so in the middle of this small phone booth with Aaron Andrews, six, three beautiful spokesmodel, my stomach is building the most intense gas pressure I've ever felt in my <laughs> life. So intense that I was certain that if I did not get out of there, I was going to just lose all control of my bowels. And I'm not talking about passing gas. I'm talking about, <laughs> I'm talking about the whole story. And I'm like getting really nervous. I'm getting hot. I'm getting sweaty. And I was like, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? What am I going to do? We're in the middle of doing takes. And so I pull out my phone. I look at it as if I had gotten a call and I go, Cut, cut, cut. Hold up, everybody. I was like, I got a call from work. This is important. I got a fire I got to put out. I run out of the studio, find a bathroom, and exhale. We'll just leave it at that, right? So I exhale uh, and relieve the pressure of, like, like, you know, everything going on in my stomach. And it was so intense. And then, you know, I finally, I come back in. She's finishing up. She's reading her parts or whatever. And, you know, at this point, I mean, I'm sure I was white as a ghost. Who knows? Like, it was like one of those intense situations. If you've ever had that moment where you're like, I need a bathroom now and it can't wait, like, that's the moment. Yet you're in a booth with a celebrity. Yeah. Um, and so sure enough, you know, everything was fine. No one really said anything. 
And we got all the stuff in the can. And later that night, the clients um, who at this point I had done a lot of work with them and we were, we had a good chemistry. And later that night we're sitting in the um, hotel on the balcony and we're all um, celebrating because it was a great shoot with the day before we did good video. We got the radio, you know, we're having our rap party and our little celebration. And one of the clients looks over to me and goes, Brandon, did you shit your pants? <laughs> and I, I just looked at him and I said, it was close. And, uh, and we all just burst out laughter and it was just really funny. And then um, actually it was funny because like a month later we were back in New York in another recording studio with her doing uh, some pickups. And then uh, Jamie, who's one of the, one of the clients, um, he's a great guy, dear friend of mine. He obviously looks for the opportunity to embarrass me. And he goes like he pushes the button on like the uh, the mixing console and he goes, uh, hey, Brandon, why don't you tell Aaron that story about the Atlanta uh, recording studio? So, you know, I told the story. Aaron laughed and it was really funny. But um, that's my confession, man. That's as dirty as it gets. <laughs> that just and that just shows your level of professionalism. You are able to you're <laughs> able to, uh, you know, handle the situation, make a graceful exit. Oh, man. Everything. Everything worked out in the end. Yeah. Well, it was that's hilarious. Was that's hilarious. And, and uh perfect uh, <laughs> uh perfect end to to the show. Um Brandon, well, thanks for being on the show, man. I really appreciate it. This has been yeah. a treat. Um as I've mentioned before, I mean, I get so much out of this program and, and just hearing from people like you who are so passionate about what we do and um to also sort of commiserate with 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 the other aspects of of our business and and just you know hearing about you know positivity and gratitude and and thinking about you know that at the end of the day we have incredible uh, incredible jobs right we get to use our minds yeah. and come up with great ideas and so i get so much out of this so thank you for being on the show i hope you had a good time and mm -hmm. i hope we can uh, continue our our friendship and uh, collaborate on something. Who knows whether it's music or, or maybe you know we collaborate on something bigger. I hope that uh, that we keep the relationship going. And uh, yeah, man, let's uh, let's keep chatting and let's keep uh, coming up with cool ideas. Yeah, for sure, man. And and those of you listening, man, you know I know you guys have really come to love this podcast. If you want to hear the other side of the mic and hear Jaime on uh, uh, as a guest versus the host. Uh, definitely check out his episode dropped this week um, on a quick read podcast. Uh, if you go to a quick read podcast on wherever you can get your podcast, right? That's how we say That's it right. these days. Um, if you go out there, you will find his episode and he picked the book, um, the war of art. And we kind of dug into that and picked that apart. And so um, I know you guys have fallen in love with him as the host, but Definitely go check him out as the guest. He's just as good. And he, has some, <laughs> he has some great stuff on there. And um, and I love that little thing you, that, that what I put at the intro of the show. Ideas Order. are great. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, the whole thing is really fun. So um, so definitely go check that out. And then like like we talked about, um, I think we're gonna we're gonna toy with uh with you know getting getting our podcasts on each other's channels yeah, and we're going to do pushing that out. There, yeah. So. We're going to do a We're going to do a, as they say in the industry, a crossover event. Mm. So I'm going to, I'm going to release um, uh, your podcast as mine and, 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 uh, and vice versa. So yeah, so yeah. everybody check that out and uh, all right, man. It's like a, it's like a Lindsay Lohan moment. Right? It's a freaky Friday, a, freaky Friday or freaky Friday. Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> I, I do. I, I will say I, I've been listening to it, by the way, because it dropped today. So I, I, I've listened to about half of it. Um, yeah. It, it's a lot of fun. It, it, yeah, it's you're, fun. You're, we had a good time. You're so good, man. You're you're so pro. Uh, um, no, so man. again, I pick. I pick, I'm I'm like stealing stuff all the time. I'm like, <laughs> he did the he did his intro live. I gotta I gotta figure out how to do my <laughs> intro live. So anyway, thanks for uh, thanks for setting yeah. the 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 bar higher. Uh, yeah, man. And I appreciate it. And we will talk soon, buddy. Take care. Yeah, and as soon as the uh, you know w- once everything's opened up again, which we're getting closer to, um, I- I'm coming out to L.A. Man, we got to hang in real life, dude. Yeah, love it. I'm bringing I'm bringing my skateboard too. Bring your skateboard. I don't do a skateboard. I have I have a razor scooter, and that I that I yeah. Like. You got the scooter. You got the scooter. Bring your yeah. bring your guitar. Uh, yeah. I got amps. We'll we'll set up a it's jam happening. session, and uh, we'll maybe write a couple pieces of music, and uh, yeah, it'll be it'll be it. a lot of fun, man. All right, brother. All right, take care. Good talking with All you. Right. See you, buddy. Cool. And there you have it, another episode in the can of Confessions of a Creative Director. Uh, Thanks to my special guest, Brandon Ferris. Isn't he awesome? Uh, Really enjoyed that conversation. I know I'm taking away a bunch of stuff that he talked about. Uh, Just, you know, what a a great creative leader. Uh, Provoke and inspire your team. Let them do what they do. Uh, Send them off to study something. Let them come back with the concepts. Uh, Just really cool advice for all of us creative directors to sort of get out of the way and let our teams do what they do. So Brandon and I are going to do a crossover event. I'm going to feature his podcast on my podcast. He's going to feature my podcast on his. It's kind of confusing, but you'll see. Next week, I'm going to post that uh, here on Confessions of a Creative Director. So check that out. And uh, his podcast, if you just can't wait, is called A Quick Read. So uh, be sure and check that out wherever you get your podcasts. All right, now I'm going to play you out with uh, one of the final songs from my songwriting challenge. Wrapped that up uh, about a month ago. Uh, 52 songs written uh, over the last year. Uh, This is one of the last ones. It's called Sweat. Check it out. All right, until next time, peace and creativity.